I mean, he's the hero that we've all looked up to, and you know, he's his voice carries further than anyone else's in the game of golf. Well, hello. Welcome to the latest Bunkered Podcast with me, special guest host Dean Poulter. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> hello. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast with me, Michael McEwen. Presented, as always, by Callaway Golf. Thank you, Callaway, for their support. And thank you to Ian for, for joining us for so briefly. <laughs> Oh my word, well, it's been another quiet week in golf, ladies and gents, hasn't it? Not much has happened, typical standard fare, and we're going to get into that over the next hour or so, sitting opposite me, giggling away, bunkered oh. editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning, Mr. Good morning, that How, was good. You enjoy that? Yeah, to be fair, we should have done this yesterday, shouldn't we? We should have. I can't remember why we didn't do it. Why did we not do it? Oh, you do we. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had something to do, but let's, let's not let's go Let's not there. go there, let's not go there. Good week, good weekend. What did you get up to? Yes, great footballing weekend, Michael. And I enjoyed the football last night. Which is no surprise because, let's just lay some cards on the table, you're an Everton fan. Yes, yes. That's going to beg some questions. I know people are thinking, why? So why are well, you no, no, I think we've done that before. Have Graham we? Sharp's dad worked with my dad at the Herald and I thought that was cool that Graham Sharp's dad worked with my dad at the Herald. So I thought, Fair enough. Well, I'm an Everton fan. So, so you enjoyed the result, did you? I did, yeah. I'm not a Man United fan, but obviously. Soft spot for them, though, I must admit, because of Fergie. Yeah, well, it doesn't every Scott, really, yeah. I suppose. What else did I do at the weekend? Oh, other stuff that I can't... Yeah. There's things <laughs> There's that we all, can't or yeah, shouldn't discuss. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, things that cannot be said. I'll uh, tell you what we did yesterday, though, yesterday lunchtime. Went out for a curry. Yeah, really not meant to mention that. Only took an hour. It was a a team curry. Exactly. That we didn't invite half the team to. I don't know if anyone listening to this has found themselves in a similar position on a Monday lunchtime, but you just get that need for a curry, a chilli garlic chicken, or a lamb karahi, or a butter chicken. I don't think anyone's listening to this thinking, yeah, at 10 to 12 on a Monday, they thought, you know what I really need? I need a butter chicken. Highly recommend it. It was. It was a good, it was a good move. And we got some good ideas. Exactly. And that's what it's for. Productive. I feel like we came back from it better than we went into it. So yeah. our, o- our overarching boss, DC Thompson, has suggested that we do walking meetings. Mm-hmm. So we did decided to do an eating meeting. Which I think could take off. I think it could take off. Anyway, that's let's get on idea. with this because it'll soon be lunchtime and I want to go out again. So let's, <laughs> let's get through all this. As I said, what's the word you would use? Facetiously at the start. I said not much has happened, obviously that's sarcasm. There's load has been going on. We'll get into that in a second. You know, the Tiger meeting last week. Bryce, I see you've come dressed as him today. Fair play. Patrick Reed, Randall Shambly, Golf Channel. We've got a FedEx finale. We've got Ian Poulter causing a bit of a stink. We've got pace of play issues. What is going on in the game? There's just so much that has been happening. But it would be remiss of us not to start this week's episode without paying a little bit of a tribute to Tom Weiskopf who sadly passed away at the weekend. The 1973 Open champion won at Troon, and he had a, a battle with cancer. You may or may not be aware over the last couple of years, pancreatic cancer, which very sadly took him on Saturday. Weiskopf, an incredible golfer, Bryce. He had a great career on the PGA Tour. Arguably could have been even better had it not been for Jack Nicholas being in his pomp at the same time. Yeah, I'm but, sure there's a few players that can say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But 16 wins and a major, he did rather well. And what a swing he had as well. Yeah, he was, he was obviously a, a generation before us. 
I think our, our mums and dads would know more about Tom than we do. But I realised this morning that he had four runners-up finishes in the Masters. That's incredible, isn't it? I didn't know that. Yeah. didn't know that. And it's funny when... It's funny, the guys have got a relationship with the Masters that haven't won it. The only guy I can think of, really, in that sense... Uh, well, there's two people that I think, when I think about the Masters, that have got a great relationship with Augusta, but no green jacket, Ernie Els and Greg Norman. Yeah, very true. Lee Trevino obviously would go yeah. in, but he didn't have a great relationship with yeah. Augusta. So. But Weisskopf is unbelievable. I think he leaves a great legacy, not just in his playing career, but the golf courses. He, he, I t- also didn't realise this. I did not know that he designed... TPC Scottsdale That's Stadium of course. When you told me that, I was genuinely stunned. I don't understand how I don't know that. Well, you've played it, so I know. if anyone should know. Because they, they, you know, the whole, that golf course is talked about all week, mm-hmm. but they don't mention who designed it. And I'm wondering if he designed it and then they've made wholesale changes behind the scenes, so it kind of, I don't know. Yeah, potentially. I'm not sure of that, but un- undoubtedly designed that. I think that's a fantastic golf course. It's great fun to play. It's even more fun to watch. And he designed Loch Lomond in um, partnership, <laughs> I think, in partnership with his longtime architect partner, uh, is it Jay Morris, I yep. think. And of course, there's the story at Loch Lomond where in the midst of designing it, he went he went out for a walk and got stuck. On, what is this, on the ground that was going on to the ground, golf course? Yeah, he went out for a walk and got stuck and was in real trouble until one of the, I don't know if it was a greenkeeper because technically back then they wouldn't have had greenkeepers. It must have been one of the construction guys said, you know, where is he? And he'd been out for hours and he was there stuck. When you say stuck? In Marsh. Really? Got, yeah, he got, he was, I mean, if somebody hadn't found him, he would have been in real trouble and they Jeez. got him out. But it just goes to show how wet it can be a Loch Lomond. <laughs> yeah. But you I mean, I've always said the Loch Lomond is just, I know we're, we're, a, we're a country filled with incredible links courses and rightly so but to me he designed the best probably the best inland non-links golf course in Europe mm-hmm. without a doubt it's a masterpiece isn't it it is a masterpiece there's nothing there's there really is nothing wrong with Loch Lomond mm-hmm. Tom and Jay set that out and that probably be his defining legacy in Scotland out with his open win was it in 73 73 yeah so the guy's connected to phenomenal golf courses and that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to his, to his design career. Absolutely. I mean, a great career on and off the golf course. You only have to look at the, the level of the tributes that came in as well. You know, Gary Player, Tom Watson, Sir Nick Faldo, they've all been quite affected by Wisecop's passing. I was looking yeah. through some pictures the other day and I noticed the 2015 Open at St Andrews. He took part in the four-hole Champions Challenge there and you know, big laughs with Tiger Woods and Marco Mira. Clearly a very, very popular guy. Yeah. A very highly respected man as well. And yeah, just terribly sad that he's been taken so soon. Yes, he was 79, but you know, you feel that he was a young 79 in a yeah. lot of ways too. So thoughts obviously with Tom Weisskopf's family and friends. Terribly sad news of his passing. Bryce, let's turn our attention then to the meeting last week in Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> We're in Delaware. It's probably the most high-profile thing ever to have happened in yeah, Delaware. Yeah. So Tiger Woods flew in on the private jet from Florida with Ricky Fowler in tow. Yeah, and when he, I mean, we've talked about this, but he didn't look good, did he? He did not look good. Getting off that plane, that limp was... No, didn't look good. It was significant. But anyway, the purpose of the meeting, a select few players, not a full players meeting as had been suggested, but a, mm-hmm. a handful of specially chosen players, I think it was, got together ahead of the BMW Championship, the second of the FedEx Cup playoffs last week, 
met up in a hotel in somewhere in Delaware. <laughs> Wilmington, that's the one. <laughs> somewhere in Delaware. <laughs> it sounds like a Michael Bublé I, I album, know, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. It's almost time for him, by the way. I've cut my months. Oh, yeah. Not long. Not long. But they got together and clearly closed the doors, locked them behind them. A bit like choosing a new pope, they decided what they were going to do for the future of the PGA Tour. And they only came out when the white smoke went up. So brilliant. details are slowly starting to emerge because it seems like they took a bit of a veil of silence, the players who were in the room. Alan Shipnick has done what Alan Shipnick does and he's got the deets. So what Alan Shipnick said in his Peace in the Fire Pit Collective website is that one of the big takeaways is that the players would like to see a tour within the tour, if you like, comprised of 18 events, each of which has no cut, and a $20 million purse. And it's exclusive to 60 or so players. Hmm. What does that sound like? Yeah, yeah to be fair, you're, it also sounds like a World Golf Championship. Yes. Which is not that different. This is a bit, yeah, it is also like live, in the, in, but it's not in live in the respect that you'll have to, I suspect, qualify for them. You won't be invited. You'll have to have a ranking in order to make it. Tour within a tour I don't like. There's something about this, the way the game's being sort of fragmented that I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, well, it's creating a haves and haves not, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it gives me a bit of a fear because there's no real stepping stone to get into that. It feels like once you're in it, your ranking will then grow because you're in it. And that's that open door seems to slam and shut in the face of someone like Ewan Ferguson. Like, how is Ewan going to get into that? If Ewan gets his card at the end of the year for PG Tour, how's he going to get into that? Yeah, no, I totally it doesn't agree. it's just a wee bit like a closed shop for the elites. I don't think that's a good idea. I do genuinely do have a bit of the fear about what lies ahead with this because I just does that make the standard PGA Tour events look a bit worse off? Like, what's that do to Bay Hill? 18 events. Where are they going to squeeze these in? And, and yeah. what events are going to lose out? Is this the shoulder season that's going to lose out? Where are they going to play these events? Are they going to play them right against Liv? Just gives me the fear. And then, without that, what the hell is the DP World going to do? With yeah. that staring in the face. The DP World Tour is already in a, a pretty bad position, I would yeah. say. Absolutely no disrespect to Keith Pelly and his team and the tons of good people who work there. I think we've said this plenty of times before. We like and know a lot of the people who work there. If I was working for DP World Tour right now, I'd be worried. Mm-hmm. Genuinely worried because unless things change and look at the amount of concessions they've made recently in terms of the world rankings and giving away 10 of their best players to the PGA Tour at the end of the season, not in a good place. And very soon, if they're not careful, the DP World Tour could become fourth fifth biggest tour in golf you've got the PGA Tour, you're going to have Live. the Asian Tour is accelerating rapidly, Corn Ferry Tour has given away as many points world ranking points as the DP World Tour in some instances, where are they fitting in? So it's genuinely quite worrying. It is quite worrying uh, I remember, was it five, six years ago, somebody said the Corn Ferry was basically the second best tour in golf that was not that long ago The Corn Ferry is full of players who have been on the PGA Tour yeah. It's full of players who are trying to get on the PGA Tour. It's been full of college players. It's got the best of the best that haven't reached uh-huh. the creme de la creme know, at this point. So I am worried for the DP World Tour. It's 
It's not a good place to be. On the point of the the have and have nots in the PGA Tour, that's that's just not a good look because they've been trying to present this united front against Live, haven't they? You know, right? Okay, so those players have jumped, but yeah, we're all together, I, 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 and I, now I, they're putting a big line. Through. Yeah, quite agree. But I think they're they're it's moving so fast now that they're having to make huge decisions in order to protect to yeah. protect the future. And the only way they can do that in the modern world now is to throw money at it. And it's interesting that it's the big fish in in the room that are making those decisions. Apparently, Jay Monaghan wasn't really part of that. It was players to be first and foremost having those decisions, and then they'll obviously bring it to Monaghan and make those decisions. Very strange. Don't like it. Let's talk a bit about Monaghan quickly. I think we've put on record on previous episodes that neither of us think he's handled this situation caused by Liv particularly well. It's the final event of the the season this week, the Tour Championship. Do you see this being an opportunity for a change in leadership? No, I wouldn't go that far. I think it's a bit unfair. These are uncharted waters, I think. He's probably made a few mistakes, but who genuinely thought we were going to go down this road? You know, I know there's a lot of criticism for the salary that he makes, but that guy runs a pretty serious organisation. Yeah, and, and in fairness to him, most big CEOs of most big companies earn, and they earn that it. ballpark. And, and, and they and, do earn it, you're right. And they do earn it. And that's why he's on that salary, because he's exceptionally good at his job. Mm. And he, he's allowed to maybe have exceptional circumstances and maybe not quite make the right decision at the right time, which is what happened. He's not the only CEO in World Golf to have made a poor decision in regards to live, but nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah, it's also very different when you're fighting your corner against somebody who's got a pocket of two billion to <laughs> throw at something that you don't own. That's extremely difficult to deal with. Do I think he's made mistakes? Yes. Do I think he's maybe could have handled it differently? Yes. Do I think the PR arm of the PGA Tour could have been a wee bit more respectful in how they've handled it? Yes. Like you've said repeatedly, he still calls it the Saudi Golf League. Mm-hmm think that's a bit crass but I don't I don't see it serving the PGA Tour uh, very well for them to make their their commissioner leave his job and then have to hire somebody else unless that somebody else is Tiger Woods could you see it could you honestly see Tiger Woods running the PGA Tour no I don't think he would want to but I definitely think he'll have an ear for choosing the next one and I think he will be involved in these decisions going forward because I genuinely feel Tiger's got the PGA Tour at his heart. I think he genuinely feels that. Hence, he's involved. Like, Tiger's not really competitive. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be competitive in the coming years? Very much doubt so. I mean, he doesn't look as though he can walk very well. So he's not exactly going to be able to play 72-hole stroke play in the PGA Tour and be successful. So it appears that he's still involved in discussions in the future. So he has a, a link with the tour. I think he's passionate about it. I think his heart's in the right place when it comes yeah. to the future. That's the thing that surprised me is that he seems passionate about the PGA Tour. I never really thought he was that at the height of his career. He was just To me, he was a guy that showed up in one event and off he went and he was happy. The PGA Tour just so happened to be where he did it. I mean, it's quite clear now that the PGA Tour means a hell of a lot to Tiger Woods. Yeah, there may be a kickoff. A payback for him, in some sense, for supporting the tour? Don't know. But he's got a lot of ties with the tour that we know about, so it makes sense for him to be involved in future decision-making. Another big thing that came from Alan Chipnick's piece, 
this seems like quite a dry, boring point, but it's actually a really, really important point. The players seem to be wanting the tour to relinquish its charitable status. People may or may not be aware, but the PGA Tour operates as a registered charity in the States. The boring term is a 501c6 registered charity. Lots of good things come from that. One, very little tax. Tax breaks, man. (laughs) Correct. The other thing is no shareholders to satisfy. You can be your own business off you go. It means you're not for profit, but off you go, do your own thing. You don't need to worry about shareholders or investors or anything like that. The players, it seems, want that to change so that they can have outward investment into the PGA Tour. And the example that Shipnick used was JP McManus. We obviously know that Tiger's exceptionally close with JP, as are a number of players on the PGA Tour, Rory included. Look how many people showed up for his pro-am yet again last month when, let's face it, they had better things to do before the Open Championship. He's clearly hugely respected, very influential and very, very rich. The suggestion is that by getting somebody like JP to invest in the PGA Tour, the players can then look to get equity stakes and so on and so forth, which gives them access to the money that currently the PGA Tour can't provide them through prize money. So they find another vehicle to get cash, live-style cash. It's an interesting move, that, and it's been spoken about for a while that the PGA Tour's charitable status is a bit of a white elephant. Is that the right term? Well, they don't really discuss it, do they? They Mm. don't really like it. I know Mickelson, at the very outset, questioned that set-up. That was one of his things about live. And that brings up a whole other discussion about they keep money but don't necessarily distribute it to the players because they're, you know, charitable status. It is another case of tearing up what history they've had and completely revamping what is the PGA Tour. I do think that's potentially a very risky move because before Liv, there was absolutely no discussion about the setup of the PGA Tour. Players were very, very rich. And they seemed very happy. I didn't hear anyone complaining then. Nobody complained until Mickelson got caught. Yeah. There, there was a lot of money to be played for. The FedEx Cup had been, you know, it's 10 years old or something like that now. Mm. It's, got, it's had many, it's had more than a decade to implant its mark in the PGA Tour and it's done that very well. Ridiculous all it <laughs> is, but there we go. A lot of money to play for. No, it wasn't maybe four or five years ago. I think Jordan Spieth won the FedEx Cup and he won something like 24 million, did he not? Yeah, 2015. Yeah. It mega season. An unbelievable amount of money for a one guy to win. Mm-hmm. It appears now that's not enough. So these talks, without a doubt, are absolutely transformational. I'm not convinced that's the right move. We'll soon find out. But, but change, in some cases, is the price of survival. Isn't yeah, it? And, and and we're all hesitant of change. Yeah. We don't really like change until we see it. But some sporting institutions need it every now and then, and it might be the PGA's tour, PGA Tour's turn. Yeah. I'm tempted to be really cruel and ask you where you see golf in two years I still think we will be where we are kind of now I don't think we'll see huge changes immediately I mean it takes a long time for them to bring this to uh, fruition but can you imagine them launching a tour within a tour in the next two years and yeah potentially golf being that's 18 events plus the lawsuit still it's the lawsuit doesn't start for 12 months how many events is yeah it doesn't start for 12 many events has live got Next year, 14. Four, is it four? I thought it was 18. Is it 14? 14. 
14 events against 18 events. <laughs> Where we're running, we've got majors, we've got world golf championships, and we've got a players, and we've got a FedEx Cup. Where are we fitting all this in? Arguably, even more interesting line is what drops out, what makes way. It's not like there's a lot of terrible events in the PGA it, Tour. It, it's funny. Every week they tell you it's a big event. And a I big know. Deal. It's funny. I remember us sitting, this would be about six, seven years ago when the DP, which then European Tour, started to really struggle with fields, which happened about six, seven years ago, eight years ago. I remember us sitting in the office talking about why don't the why doesn't the European Tour just cut its losses? There were certain events we thought, why are they having that event? Why not just cut their... I mean, they had something like 46 mm-hmm. or 48 events in their schedule. And there was a good 12, 13 of them that were very poor. I mean, no disrespect to the fields, but they were. They were not top-tier events. They were effectively challenged tour events. You think, what's the benefit to the tour for that? The amount of cost in that and so on. And it looks like that decision is now going to be made for the PGA Tour. That's mind, a very good mind point. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. The PGA Tour has always been a different beast, but you're right now it's got to say, well, hard decisions. We've got to lose that event, that event, that event. Yeah. Mm. Goodbye, CJ Cup. Anyhow, <laughs> there's been other stuff happening in terms of live in the past few days. It's rumoured, heavily rumoured, must be said, that seven more players are going to jump ship for live following the FedEx Cup. No great surprise, because there's a lot of guys there who would have looked at things maybe last month, the month before, and said, I'm in quite a good spot in the FedEx Cup standings. I like the idea of live, but can I not just have a couple of months and make potentially 30, 40 million, and then I'll see you after? So it feels like there's a few of them there. Obviously, Cam Smith is the big name that's pretty open secret he's going. He's all but admitted it himself. There's a lot of other names in the frame. I don't really think it would be appropriate to say who those names are because look, there's a lot of Twitter accounts that are just throwing names out, it feels like, all the time. You've got the faceless accounts, and to be fair, you've got some reporters who are just flinging names about. We've heard rumours of who may or may not be in, but it doesn't feel like the right thing to start throwing those names about at this point in time. Would you agree? Yeah, no. I think everyone knows we're looking at and and the the big one for me is Cam Smith. The rest are yeah, big names, but he's the world number two. He's the world number life. two. He's the Open champion. He's the Players champion, and he doesn't want to be part of PGA Tour. I just mind blown. Yeah. So it's seven we're expecting next week. Up to seven. We also now know the details of what players have to do to get their live cash. This came out last week as well. Quite interesting. Some of the go for it. Some of the conditions, I suppose, is that the right way of of putting it? Mm -hmm. Major bonuses. The bonus for winning a major championship around about $1 million. Not unusual. And I must say, I think that's quite low. It is low. Was there not a case with Darren Clark? When he won the Open, he activated a bonus from, was it Dunlop? I think, was that bonus not $2 million? Yeah, I thought so. Mm -hmm. So, I think it was. That seems to me to be quite low but nonetheless it's an incentive is it, is it an incentive to play well when you're already getting 100 million dollars yeah i know that's another discussion media rights big part of phil mickelson's reported beef with the the pga tour his perception the tour has been profiting from his own image over a number of years had been posting him on youtube and making significant kickbacks for using shots of phil mickelson on their 
tour and in their events. Now, this is interesting. Specified in the live documents that players are individual contractors. This is something that Phil keeps throwing out, all this free agency talk. I don't know about you, Bryce, but I always felt that free agents didn't have contracts. Surely can't be a free agent with a contract. Nonetheless, unless the contract benefits you. Well, yes. In the contracts that have been seen by the Wall Street Journal, players have agreed to sign over, and I quote, exclusive, perpetual, royalty-free, worldwide rights to exhibit, exploit, copy, reproduce, and otherwise use their image. Hold on. Isn't that what Phil had a problem with the PGA Tour doing? Unless they're paying him. Exactly. They'll find another way to kick it back. Say, I don't know, an equity stake in a team, for example. Yeah. Interesting. Requirements to play. On the PGA Tour, players aren't required to play in every event. God help them imagine having to work 40 weeks of the year. Obviously, they don't want to do that. That's not the case with Liv. They are contracted to play. Taylor Gooch's contract, for example, Pierce confirmed reports they're required to play in every tournament on the schedule unless they can provide an exceptional circumstance or reason for them not to. Those players... Some of them, as I say, contracts vary from player to player, are required to play all 14 events. Hold on. That's not free agency. Mm -hmm. You're tied to it. You're tied to it. Exactly. What else are you going to do for the rest of the year? He's got nowhere else to play. (laughs) You might as well. That's a good point. Player recruitment is an interesting thing that came from this. This This is quite dirty, quite murky, I think. It was strongly rumoured, and I know that the court documents from the antitrust lawsuit filed last month suggested that Phil Mickelson has been doing recruiting on behalf of Liv. That's something that has been widely reported. But now, according to the contracts, every player is required to do that. The documents state they must, I quote, assist the league operator in seeking to persuade players to enter into multi-year player participation agreements with the league operator. So not so much fill the thrill as fill the shell, basically. They're going out and saying, stuff the PGA Tour, stuff the DP World Tour, come over here. But interestingly, if it's in a contract, they must themselves be getting some kind of kickback. A finder's fee, a recruiter's fee a finder's or something. Fee. Yeah, yeah. That's awful, is it not? It's, it's at least dirty to be on the PGA Tour's driving range and saying, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Team Apparel, again, we know this, that Liv want players to be wearing Liv logos. Have a look at Patrick Reed, who we're coming to very soon. Contracts stipulate players must wear Liv clothing in both Liv and non-Liv events, with allowances made for one equipment manufacturer's logo on the right side of their hats. Other non-Liv logos will require approval. To me... That is significant because then now we're walking into brands and the sponsorship world where big money can be made. So these players have to be making serious money to turn down deals. And I think that will obviously mean that further down the line, that this is the whole concept of like the F1 style teams set up that that they plan to make really significant money that uh, a 15 million deal with Puma means nothing. Yeah. Because down the line they're going to that's pocket change. 
Which you do think strange. Interesting point in here as well is that team owners apparently can also elect to have every member of their lineup wearing the same glove and shoe brands. Yeah. So Bryson's going to dictate to other players in live what they can and can't wear. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? That is weird because golf is very personal. You wear what you like. Mm-hmm. You know, Tiger Woods is wearing Footjoy shoes because he doesn't like the Nike ones because they don't help him because he's not healthy enough to wear them. How does that work? We've had this discussion with the Olympics. Players wearing clothes that are not Adidas or somebody's got a Footjoy contract and somebody's wearing a Nike and it just gets murky. I just can't see that working in golf. I've never thought that. Team, that's why team golf is, is always weird. Like <laughs> When you look at the Ryder Cup, they look like they look like a team, but there's no logos anywhere. Yeah. Because you can't wear a brand or apparel brand that's got a logo. So it's all very hush-hush. And then all the product shots don't show feet. Yeah. Because they're all yeah, wearing different so shoes. True. Like, when was the last time you saw Rory wear a hat in the Ryder Cup? Yeah. Doesn't like it. So I, don't, I think live golf is, is trying to be that team sport where they're all one. And golf has never been like that. <laughs> Good yes, luck. Indeed. The media and interview requirements in the contract. There's just a couple more here, but I should add. Interesting. Stipulated in the player's contracts a requirement not to give, not to give any interviews relating to the so-called league without, quote, specified approval. This policy includes posts on social media, which would suggest that the people in charge are determined to run a very, very tight Yeah, so you're not allowed to say anything in social unless you've told Greg Norman that you're going to say this. Has someone told GMAC this? <laughs> Mind you, he's, he's just become so moronic, it doesn't really matter what he says. And finally, we all know that Netflix is currently filming the, the PGA Tour for a, a new Formula One style documentary. What a year they have chosen. I find that fascinating. Think they're going to show anything to do with Liv? If the, PGA, if the PGA Tour has any significant stake in it, then no. If the full editorial discretion is lying with Netflix, maybe. But the, this is, has to be a co-production with the PGA Tour. It's got to be. Is, I mean, yeah. it's got to be. If the PGA Tour this is, this is an advertorial, in, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the PGA Tour cannot sign an agreement with Netflix and say, right, you guys get full editorial control. Mm. And it just so happens to coincide with the downfall of the PGA Tour, <laughs> filmed and executed in a four-part series <laughs> on Netflix. I just cannot see that happening. I think this will be all about... Here's like Ricky's house. Scotty Scheffler getting his first win. Yeah. That's how exciting it is. Yeah. So it's in the apparently in these draft live contracts that they are proposing they might do something similar. Hudson Swafford's contract, for example, requires, Disney. Him, <laughs> requires him to participate in a mini-series slash documentary series should they decide to film it. Hudson Swafford. Can't wait. Netflix bump up the subscriptions. Amazon Prime, whoever. Tell me when it's on and I will uh, pay you more. Hudson's, I can't wait to see more about Hudson Swafford. Hudson Swafford goes wine tasting in Sedona Valley. I mean, that's just going to be <laughs> fantastic. I guess the overarching point, Bryce, is that it's true what they say. There's no such thing as a free lunch. These deals that the players have been offered, if they look too good to be true, it's probably because it's not free money. They're having to do a hell of a lot. And it's probably naive of people to suspect otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. If you put everything down about live their plans, what we want to do, 
this is the plan, this is what we need players to do, here's the contracts. If you imagine all that two years ago and somebody said, right, this is what we want to do, shall we Shall we get started? You just think, this is not going to happen. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. I know. Oh, man alive. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And it is worth, again, repeating, those are draft contracts. The Wall Street Journal has published them. I want to point out that they've been out there now for a few days as we record. To the best of my knowledge, nobody from Liv has challenged the accuracy of them. I have no reason to suspect that anything that's been reported there that we've just shared with you is in mm. any way inaccurate. Humbly apologise to the paymasters if it is, but as I say, no one said it's not. And it feels like there's going to be even more to come, doesn't it? And there is more to discuss on this week's episode. Because <laughs> The great irony is we haven't even touched the biggest story of last week yet. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. To create an iron that performs like nothing else, you need to build it like no one else has. So we constructed the new Rogue ST irons with a high-strength 450 AI face cup, doubled its tungsten weighting for optimal launch, and added even more urethane microspheres for exceptional feel and sound. Every aspect of Rogue ST has been precision-tuned to create our longest iron ever. The new Rogue ST irons from Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm laughing because in my head, I was going to do a GMAC impression to welcome people yeah, into yeah, part yeah. two, but part let's, two. let's not. One impression a week's probably plenty. Yeah, welcome right. back, ladies and gents, to part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway Golf. Before we get into, wow, just an utterly mental story that requires forensic examination, I want to draw your attention to something you might have missed in the lead up to the Open Championship, the 150th Open, we did something at Bunkered that we have never done before. We created something called a bookazine. Portmanteau's very popular right now, like Benifer, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Affleck, uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, I should say. Although she probably is Jennifer Affleck now that she's married him. Anyway. I think she is. Yeah, you put yeah, the yeah. two names together, you create something. Bookazine is exactly what it sounds like. It's a book meets a magazine. We did one on St Andrews, golf in St Andrews, its icons, its history, its opens, 164 pages of ad-free content. It's purely straight-up proper golf writing. Is that is that accurate, Bryce? You edited it. Absolutely, yep. And it includes some really, really cool pictures from the DC Thompson archive. So to give people an insight into that, a lot of these pictures, in fact, all of them uh, in the book scene, have never been published before. Because someday at DC Thompson basically stumbled across them yeah. in the archive and thought, wow. And it took them a long, long time to take the negatives and put them into digital format to then give them to people like me who can then turn them into some sort of story. So the pictures are unbelievable. Yeah. Stories in there. It's not, a, it's not an open preview. It's a general look at the town, its people, its history, some of the open championships that have taken place in the past and there's some great interviews in there, some work from... Writers from this side of the pond, from the other side of the pond, it's a fascinating read. And for us as a magazine, it's just the start of some things that we're going to look to do in the future. I know we call them bookzines, other people call them one-shots, and that's things that we're going to look to do in the future. Exactly. nine ninety nine, uh, the price on the cover. And you can buy it. It's funnily enough, if you're in the States listening to this, let's say you're about to board a flight, go and check out Hudson News, for example. Barnes & Noble, you'll find it for sale there. 
And I don't know, like maybe oh, hello Ghana once again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, in Ghana, America, it'll, be, it'll be right next to one hundred and one great gun racks. Well, yeah, potentially, most likely. <laughs> but if you're in Ghana, as we know, people are yeah. listen from there. South Africa, whatever it might be, go onto the DC Thompson website and go to the DC Thompson yeah. shop, and you can purchase it from there. Highly recommend it. There's lots of great stuff in it. You're <laughs> chuckling away at the thought of your magazine sitting next to gun racks, aren't you? No, that, that and you know the local bookstore in Ghana just hosting our magazine. I think that's quite cool. They're not. They need to go online to the DC Thompson shop. But the joke was funny a minute ago. Big in Accra. That is us. Anyhow, let's move on to quite frankly one of the strangest stories i think i've covered in 18 years writing about golf patrick reed part of the live crew has decided that he is suing the golf channel and its analyst one of our guests we've had on the podcast previously brandel shambly for defamation it all stems to what patrick reed believes to be a sustained and coordinated attack on his character because of various allegations of cheating and other impropriety. He's suing them for $750 million. Yep. That is the Dr. Evil school of picking numbers out of thin air, is it not? How, what is going on? I think you just sue these days for so much money that you'll settle for a quarter of it and be quite happy. <laughs> I don't know. I Genuinely, the, the figure is mind-blowing. The case itself is quite interesting. However, this does bring up the whole case of liable in the modern world, social media, and it can get quite murky. It can. Because a lot of people are calling him a cheat and abusing him constantly for being a cheat. And as far as I'm aware, he's not been caught for cheating. He's not been done for cheating. Yeah. I think that's the distinction, isn't it? Whether he should or shouldn't have, and he's that, never... Well, th- as far as we're aware, because yep. the PGA Tour doesn't disclose well, this disciplinary is, action. This is the whole thing about cheating in golf. We've discussed this that we're blue mm-hmm. in the face. That It's extremely hard, because the last time we talked about it, it was the famous drop. Yeah. Rory did the same thing, and no one talked about Rory. So it is a very murky discussion. And it's clearly irked him to the point where he's fed up with Chambly calling him out and uh, has decided to go to court. Yeah. Good luck to him. In one part of the complaint, it says, and I quote, Chambly and the network have been actively targeting Reid since he was 23 years old to destroy his reputation, create hate and a hostile work environment for him. And with the intention to discredit his name and accomplishments as a young, elite, world-class golfer. Did Justine write that? (sighs) kind of feels like she may have had some input it goes on it's well known on tour that Mr Reid has been abused and endured more than any other golfer from fans or spectators who've been allowed to scream obscenities only to be glorified by NBC's Golf Channel for doing so because it gets Defendants Chambly and Golf Channel clicks viewership ratings and increased revenue I do find it quite interesting that for example Patrick Reid seems to be all about freedom and having the freedom to play where he wants. But when it comes to the freedom to say things and the freedom to criticise, not so keen on that. Unless it's libelous. Do you believe that anything that you've heard has been libelous at this point? Not necessarily. I, I know what I see. I think he's 
very dodgy at times. Patrick Yeah. Don't think he's the nicest guy in the world. But I tell you what, he's one hell of a competitor. He just seems to have these relationships with people that are very, very strange. And uh, I actually read into some of the stuff, you know, somebody said, you know, he was abused as a child and so on. And that's related to his father, his parents, that Justine said that they basically mentally abused him. They, they, that's why he doesn't talk to his mum and dad anymore, because they seem to be trying to profit off his career. And um, I think Patrick had just had enough of that. His private life is out in the open because of the way he deals with things. And, you know, I don't know any of any other golfer in the world who's ostracised his parents for, for so long. And I, a part of me feels slightly sorry for him. And then no, nobody parts, wants to have that kind of relationship no, with their family. Nobody at all. You know, for and, good or for bad. And whether they're a good person or a bad person, that's, that's a sad state of affairs. And I know I've been part of it as well, but his wife is roundly ridiculed on social media. I feel sorry for him in that sense. She doesn't help him. She doesn't help him. She doesn't help herself. Mm -hmm. But I do find that quite strange. It is... When I think about Patrick, I think about just... It's a bit of a wasted opportunity. That guy is... That guy's a player. Now, when you come through the college scene, if you you read about his college history, so it doesn't make for great reading, but he's one hell of a competitor. He's a good, good player. You know, he's he's the one that said he was, you know, top, was it a top five golfer in the world before he was. He's won big events. He's won a major. The guy can play, but his actual attitude to the game and his competitors kind of stinks. Well, I think two things can be true at the same time. One is that Patrick Reed is, as you say, a phenomenal competitor, but is he a good golfer in the sense of what it means to be a golfer? I think there's a big question mark yeah. over that. I find it quite sad because you don't see him on social media himself from his own account or whatever it might be, stoking things up. You know, we're going to come on to Ian Poulter in a second. Ian Poulter shoots from the hip from Ian Poulter's own social accounts. You know, he films videos shooting from the hip. Patrick Reed doesn't do that. So yeah. then when you see some of the things that are in that complaint, for example, and you try to square that with reputation, but then perception, it's actually very hard to do. Long way of saying he's an enormously complex character surrounded by a whole bunch of complex characters. I find the whole thing quite sad, I have to say. If he thinks he's got a case, if he thinks he's been wronged, then by all accounts he's, in, you know, he's entirely within his rights to, to pursue this claim. I've heard some of the stuff that Brandel Shambly's said. I've seen some of the reporting that the Golf Channel's done on Patrick Reid. I'm struggling, to be honest, to see how they are creating a campaign of hate and a hostile work environment for him. I'm struggling. They, they were very fulsome in their praise when he won the Masters. They were very fulsome in their praise when he was contributing points for the Ryder Cup teams, when he's had big wins. To me, what I've seen is pretty balanced reporting. I think a lot of players these days, they just don't like criticism. And the social media amplifies that because people then jump on the back of it. Mm-hmm. I think they, they don't help themselves. Look at the criticism they got for joining Liv in the press conferences. No one really stuck their head above the parapet and said, right, here's my opinions on this. Mm-hmm. And if you just listen to me for two deflect. minutes, yeah, they just bounced it to the next guy. Like, don't don't help themselves. And you're quite right. Reed's had the opportunity to, to speak up in the past and say things, but he said nothing. Yeah. So I think, but what happens is he says nothing and then sits in quiet rage <laughs> and he just can't understand why people would want to criticise him. The interesting thing for me as well is why now? 
Shambly's and the Golf Channel haven't done and said anything yeah. recently. I, I, there's also some of the stuff that Reid does. I think I tip my cat. I'm like, I, I like that. Like he came over and played European Tour. Hundred percent. I like that. Yeah. That guy travels the world to play golf. I mean, for all the bullshit that Lev's come away with about growing the game, well, he actually is trying to do it by playing in different countries. He's played more countries than most players. He's played more European Tour stuff than more regular European Tour events than Tiger Woods ever did. And I think that's to his credit. But there's obviously parts of his personality that are just slightly bonkers. It's a monumental enigma, which is part of the fascination, I guess, which is probably partly why Liv invested in him. I did have to laugh at one of the lines. This is the thing that's for me, is the big takeaway of the last month. Lawyers are basket cases if you get the wrong yeah. one. Get this. Brandel Shambly is a former professional golfer who fell far short of ever rising to the accomplished level of Mr. Reed. <laughs> I know. And it's easy la- thing to put in, a, in, a, in an actual legal document. I know, but he's better than you. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we, that's, we know that's that. That's solid ground to cl- uh-huh. claim on, and isn't I think, it? And I think, was it not Reed's lawyer who said like months ago that Liv was a croc and he didn't like it? That's right. And now yeah. he's representing the player for Liv. It's just... Oh, oh wild. Speaking of lawsuits, we're going to move on in a second. Pat Perez, this is potentially very interesting, Bryce. He has withdrawn from the antitrust lawsuit. He was one of the, the Liv 11 originally, that filed this complaint in California a few weeks ago. He has now taken his name off that lawsuit, saying, I didn't think it through. Very strange. He said, I did this to back our guys. I have no ill feelings towards the PGA Tour or any of the players. I'm a live guy, 100%. I'm going to play for them, but I don't feel any need to go after the PGA Tour. They gave me a wonderful opportunity for 21 years, blah, 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 blah. Wait a sec, what's changed? What's changed in two weeks? Cost of lawyers probably realised this could go on for a long time, and he's going to have to pay his lawyer what five thousand dollars a day or something like that. <laughs> he may also have seen five thousand dollars an hour. They lost the first round, admittedly not a very important round, but a round nonetheless with the restraining order for mm-hmm. Swafford Jones and Gooch to play in the FedEx Cup. Maybe just seeing which way the wind's blowing and thinking, I don't need to be part of yeah, this. Yeah, and if this goes on and on, it's going to cost me a lot of money in the mm. end. End product's not great, so I think I'll just cut my losses right now. I wonder if he was also thinking, again, quite naively, that this will just go to court pretty soon. It'll be over and done and dusted by Christmas. Yeah. Happy happy days. Everyone goes off and enjoys who Thanksgiving. Knew, who knew that Pat Perez would be getting such amount of press? Pat Perez. Have you, you have seen this house, haven't you? Because we've yes. got it on the website. To anyone listening, if you have not seen Pat Perez's house, please go to the Bunkered website and have a look for it. It is unbelievable. And I'm not meaning unbelievably nice or lavish. It is... It's Pat Perez. Yes. You know what? It's unbelievably offensive. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it there. Enjoy having a look at that. Bryce, this ain't in the notes, so I'm throwing you right under the it's bus It's not here. a quiz, is it? No, 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 no. Good. Ian Poulter, not very happy with the DP World Tour for not allowing him to use footage of himself. It's a bit like media rights stuff all over again. He played in the Czech Masters last week on the DP World Tour because they're not banned. A reminder to anyone who's confused, and there appears to be many people, live golfers banned from the PGA Tour, not banned from the DP World Tour unless it's an event co-sanctioned by the PGA Tour. Poulter played Czech Masters last week, wasn't allowed to use any footage of himself on social media, kicked off, says he's being treated very differently. It's the one way the tour can... Can get a small win. 
Yeah. Effectively, that's what this is. I think they're obviously quite pissed off with the way Poulter's gone about his business, considering what foundation they gave him for his career, for him to walk away. And not only that, but the tour will be well aware of what he could have provided them in the next four or five years in terms of Ryder Cup. Sure, he would have been vice-captain. He would have been captain. At least once. At least once. I think if he'd won and he'd been captain, he would have been captain again. I would have seen Poulter take on the Sam Torrance role, where he's hugely respected by anyone who becomes captain. Yeah, that's a good point. You look can see him being a vice-captain yeah. at 60, for example. Yeah, look what, absolutely. Look what Sam Torrance has got in the tour that everybody worships the ground he walks on. Yeah, that's a good point. He, they, they phone him up, they take him for advice, they get they get videos played from him in the team room with Sam Torrance. He's just that guy that's hugely respected. He talks no shit, and he just gets the job done with the players that respect him think Poulter would have taken on that role and he has effectively walked for money and left them in the dust and with the greatest of respect they're left and I mean this with Luke Donald but there's a big difference between Luke Donald and Ian Poulter when it comes to a European team captained Ian Poulter's a scary thought think about the backroom team everything and they've got Luke Donald I mean that with great respect I love Luke Donald I think he's a great guy great player former world number one won great events but in the Ryder Cup, he's not Ian Poulter. You make a great point. Plus, there's the marketing potential that they've lost out on as Absolutely. well. The commercial viability. That's of what I'm Ian talking Poulter about. Captaincy. If you put Ian Poulter on an Instagram post for the Ryder Cup countdown, people are engaged. <laughs> people like it. Yeah. He would have engaged his audience in that. And that's gone. And I think the tour are miffed. It certainly seemed to be. Their statement was fantastic, I have to say. Based on the recent ruling by Sport Resolutions UK, Ian Poulter is permitted to play in tournaments on the DP World Tour and is at no competitive disadvantage in those appearances. However, his participation is not contingent upon him receiving any off-course benefits from the DP World Tour. Yeah, you can play, but you won't benefit. You know, it staggers me that Ian Poulter doesn't seem to think that there would be consequences to doing what he's done. How can anyone be that daft? Another interesting story from the weekend, the US Amateur Championship, always a great event, but it wasn't so much the winner that got us talking, Sam Bennett, as the way in which he won. He was Sam Bennett, who beat Ben Carr one up. He was very, very slow, so much so that somebody on social media described him as, this is brilliant, a human rain delay. (laughs) (laughs) That is class. He had obviously acknowledged that earlier in the week he was asked about, you know, his pace. He says, I might slow down. I think I'm a pretty slow player, blah, blah, blah. He's aware of it. But this is just another example of a young guy. If he's good enough to win the US Amateur, you have to think he's good enough to get on tour. And if there's a ton of guys coming out like that who continue to play slowly, who've got into bad habits, that is going to affect pace of playing the PGA Tour or Live, which creates ultimately a rubbish viewer experience. It downgrades the viewer experience. I mean, that that's the root of the problem right there. It's yeah. they're learning early how to play I'm, I'm I'm not sure he's learning that. I think he's got a trigger problem. That's what it is. He's got... It, it, yeah, this is the boy that takes 12 looks that's him. at the yeah. golf ball. And it's always 12. I've looked at two different shots he hit and it's 12 looks both times. So it's almost like it's ingrained in him. I'm, I'm not sure he's sitting counting the looks, <laughs> but it appears to be a 10, trigger problem. 11, and, yeah, 12, go. Go. 
it, it does appear to be a trigger problem, and, and some guys have that. You know, Sergio had that. Sergio had this thing where he just couldn't take the club back. The regripping situation went on and on, and he got irked by that because it became a big deal early in his career. He was constantly regripping. That's just something in your head. So that, that appears to be what this boy's got. There's also a bit of the, the... I think he quite likes himself in that sense, like the, the club twirls and things. And yeah. A bit weird. I mean, I, I'll do a club twirl, but I'll do it on my own when I'm in the 14th at, mm-hmm. and at Balfron, there's no one anywhere near me and I'll just think, I look good, Bryce. <laughs> Hit the green. Yes. Yes. But it's very, very strange. It's just always creates that, oh, God, the next generation is getting mm-hmm. even more... Weird and quite scary. He can obviously play, no doubt about it, but it does give me a bit of the fear about ha- that, having that guy on the tour. And that's the thing, he's just one example. There will be many more like him. Not necessarily taking 12 looks, all of them, but they'll find their own way of being yeah. slow. I actually think match play, because they play so much match play, this is controversial, but I actually think the amount of match play you play as an amateur on both sides of the Atlantic almost lends itself to playing slower because you're playing the opponent and there's elements of gamesmanship that come mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, You play slower in match play than I think you do in stroke play, mm-hmm. just naturally, because you find your own pace for stroke play. Yeah. Match play, more variables. Yeah, no, I quite agree. Quite agree. FedEx Cup is this week. Going to touch on it briefly because I had a right good rant about it last week, so I'm going to give you the opportunity, Bryce, to have your own thoughts, which I may not have done last week. But Tour Championship, 30 players... No cut, shock, no shotgun start. It's, you know how I feel about it. I think it's a contrived piece of nonsense to give players lots of cash. It's not the event it was. No, like we said this last year, it's just that they've, they've destroyed their tour championship. It used to be, it used to be the one you looked forward to. It was the one at the end of the year with the best players would all go at it for mega money. It was great. It's just not that anymore. It's a math test now and it's just, Bizarre. Was it last year or the year before? Shoffley won it basically, and he was fuming. He played the best golf, but I think DJ won the tour championship. But Shoffley was actually, last year was Cantley. Well, maybe the year before then, but it's just a bit. It's weird. I know why they're trying to do it, but they shouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a tour championship. It should be the end of season event. It's not handicapping. This isn't. This isn't a boys' golf weekend, you know. It's just a bit. It's a bit strange. That's kind of what it's become, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to take it. How do you in, possibly explain that to someone who's a casual golfer? <sighs> you know, that's yeah. just it's stupid. And they've had to do it because the FedEx Cup is quite stupid, because they absolutely cannot have some of the best players in the world not qualifying for it. That's yeah. why they do it. Just bizarre. Don't like it. Just a reminder to anyone who tunes in this week and can't figure out why someone's 10 under before they start. The It's essentially a staggered start. The player who's leading the standings on the FedEx Cup rankings as of this week starts with an advantage over everybody else in the field. In other words, he's getting a bit of a reward for his performance over the course of the season. So the player who's first in the standings starts at 10 under, second is 8 under, third 7 under, all the way down to the player's in 26th to 30th spot, who start on even par. It is, it is an absolutely ludicrous setup. The player who finishes in the lowest net score at the end of the tournament takes home the FedEx Cup, and with it, 18 
million. So good luck following it this week. Speaking of the Tour Championship, that leads us nicely on to Podder of Merit. Last week, we had the BMW Championship. Bryce went into that 7-1 down. And you chose Tony Finau, who got off to a pretty poor start. I think he was four over after round one. Now that was his first round in 11. <laughs> yes. That wasn't in the 60s. I mean, you just had to laugh. I think he knew. I think he said, who did Bryce Ritchie pick this week? And somebody said you, and he thought, good. I'm going, shoot, one. I'm going to shoot at 77. Do you think he said that? Yeah, I actually do. I think he found out. It's otherwise, how else do you expect him? How else do you explain that he'd have, yeah. he would have 12 rounds and the worst one would be the one that I picked him for pod in a minute? Be monumentally cruel. I and think I, I, that, think, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's that kind of guy. <laughs> you would have on Thursday, at least. Yeah. I picked Colin Morikawa, who, as I've said, was showing signs of life. <laughs> then he had a 10 <laughs> a 10 on Sunday for a 79 Colin finished in a tie for 44th out of 70 Tony Finau finished in a tie for 28th nice I have to say not the best week by our standards no usually However, our, our standards are, well this year your standards have been much better but usually we're quite good at this nonetheless take the point I have <laughs> It's already down there. <laughs> Bryce to Michael Seven. Don't call it a comeback, or is it? It could be this week. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a good point. This is a good week to have the honour in Podder of You're Merit damn right. Because there's only 30 players. It's a bit like the Masters, because you can eliminate the old boys and the amateurs and that stuff. It's a small field. <laughs> eliminate the old boys. <laughs> Sounds like you're going to kill them. Here comes the ageism lawsuit. Because everyone says these days. But you know what I mean? It's it's a small field. You've got less margin for error, if you like. And if you pick the winner, it's suddenly 7-4 and it's game on. So 7-3? No, if you pick the winner, 7-4. Oh, double points. Yeah, yes. exactly. Absolutely, yeah. So the fight back is on. Yeah, so I, I didn't make that clear. If you pick the winner of the event, yes. it's 7-4. Yeah. So, yeah, it could be game on. So, as I said, good week to have the honour for Eastlake. Go for it. Who are you picking? He has slightly stuttered in the last couple of weeks, ever so slightly. But I would like to think that Scotty Scheffler is going to remain the best player in the world and is going to finish the season on an absolute high. And that's why I'm picking him. Sorry, you're, you're picking the guy ranked one on the FedEx Cup stand. That's correct, so. yes. I mean, that is very sensible because of, of the course advantage he starts with. I am five points behind. <laughs> he starts with a two-shot advantage. He's the world number one. Yeah. The obvious next one for me to choose would be Patrick Cantley because he's second. He's two shots adrift, closer in the leaderboard. You can't, you can't bring yourself to do that, I can you? I just can't. I would if I were you. I am going to go for the guy who's fourth currently, and that is Xander Schofley. Yeah. He always seems to play well in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think Xander Schofley will do quite well in the PG Tour next year if there's hardly <laughs> anyone there. <laughs> no offence, mate, but let's be honest, you're kind of one of the best of the rest. Yeah, it's funny when you look at the standings just now, right? Because Rory's seventh. It's tempting to go with Rory, but I mean, it's the deficit they start with. Yes. See if there was... Makes it too difficult. Exactly. If they weren't starting so far back. This is my point. Xander Schofley a couple of years ago played some phenomenal golf and didn't win. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. There's, Shot the lowest score and didn't win. There's Justin Thomas. He's 13th as it stands. The US Open champ, Matt Fitzpatrick, he's 15th. Spieth's 18th. Then you go down to the guys that are propping up the standings. Adam Scott sneaked in, 29th. Yeah, he's not winning the FedEx Cup. He's, he's starting 10 shots back. Sahith the Gala, 10 shots back. So I'm absolutely furious that I didn't get the point last week because yeah. this would have been over this week. It's a real sore one for you, isn't it? Not happy. Bite it. So anyway, to reiterate, Tour Championship, Podder of Merit, Bryce, you're going with Scotty Scheffler. I'm going with Xander Schofley. It's 7-2 at the moment and it could all change this weekend. Right, let's finish up as is customary with Honesty Box. It's similar to one we've done before. We've, you had the question, what are the worst things that playing partners can do to be annoying? And my God, you you spoke for a good half hour on that. <laughs> so it's slightly different. What are the worst things that a playing partner can say? Anything. Around? Anything. What? Speaking too much for a start. I've said that before. Just... I'm looking for specific terms and phrases, but you don't want someone to talk to you. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Can't, not a huge fan of And you have a go at me for course. playing golf on my own. But that's fine. No, no, that's no different to what you're I doing. I don't really have a go with at you doing that. I, I don't mind I don't mind you doing that. I do, I do think you should be slightly more sociable. And people call me anti-social. You're calling me. You're saying I, I should be more sociable. Yeah. And you're saying, but if you're know, playing golf with me, I, don't I'm, talk to me. Yeah, but not too much. There's a, you've got to know the level of How much is chat. too much? Walking off the first tee and just striking up in a deep conversation. It's like, oh, like... Example. Just, What's a topic that shouldn't be covered off the first tee? Something that requires enough chat that you haven't concluded the conversation before you get to your ball. I think at any point, if you're still talking about something, you've got to your ball. I'm just like, oh, it's just annoying. Shush. Like if you're walking off the first tee and someone says to you, so what about the cost of living increases? I mean, Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, Does anybody do that? Yeah, maybe not to that extent. I mean, it seems a bit unlikely that you just tee off with someone and it's straight into the. Well, it's just something that's you know, it's hard to explain. I'm very peculiar about my chat in the golf. Peculiar is the word. I think you meant particular, but I agree. You're peculiar about your chat in the golf course. Yeah, because I can't quite explain it. So it's peculiar, not particular. So shut it. Like, <laughs> but to answer your question Yes please so I'll stop being a pedant um, <laughs> To answer your question uh, What was the question again? What's what the, the worst thing player like partner An can actual say? expression Things like my, I've, I'm going to name Name drop My uh -oh. pal Derek Okay You know Derek mm -hmm. We all know Derek Derek's quite Infuriating at times And He'll say things like If I'm playing quite well he doesn't like it and he knows I'm playing quite well. He, and I hit a shot in and he'll say things like, you're playing quite well. Like, he'll compliment you like you're playing quite well, but I know he's not complimenting me because he thinks I'm playing quite well. He's complimenting me because he's pissed off I'm playing quite well. He's like, yeah, you're, you're playing yeah, quite yeah. well. He's trying to get in my head. But sometimes I think he's not it's trying to get in my head. It's a backhanded compliment. Yes. And then you hit a good shot and he'll say things like, did you hit that well? <laughs> why didn't you? Why didn't you hit this shot? You know, and he just has these conversations about stuff, and I just think I'm not interested. <laughs> why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Uh, he and he, Dale analyzes everything. Like he knows how many putts he's had and things like that. And I know oh, really? that's all fine. And you should really mm -hmm. do that yep. to get better. And he is getting better. But yeah, people who overanalyze your game whilst you're playing, 
kind of does my head in. It's commentary on your performance. Yes. You don't need that. If you wanted it that badly, I'm sure you could put in a call to Nick Doherty or you and yeah. Murray. If I wanted Brandell in the side ropes, <laughs> I would ask him. I don't need that. You obviously know him better. He's your pal. But is that just the way Dell is? Or is that his attempt at gamesmanship? Just to bury his way into your head? And, do you know what I mean? Because if you're playing well... If you know it, that's sometimes enough, and that in itself can be terrifying. I don't think, think I'm it's playing an, well. But if he says it, that's an acknowledgement of third party. Yeah, that you're doing I don't well. think it is an attempt at gamesmanship. I think it's just Dell. <laughs> that's just the way he is. But I play when you're playing with someone who's a good player. I think they should always try and. You sh- I always think you should just put someone at ease. If I'm playing with somebody that's uh, that's not as good as me, and I'm not saying that in an arrogant way, I don't really compliment their game. I don't really try and talk make them about, feel good about themselves. Yeah, I don't. Ta- I don't talk about their game if you know what I mean. I just try and be nice to them, have a, a nice game. Uh-huh. Like I played years ago. I was very nervous about playing. I remember Alistair Forsyth played in the tour. He's now coaching at Mearns uh, Castle. Mearns Castle. Alistair's a great guy, and I played with Alistair years ago. I was really nervous when I played with him. It was a thing with Callaway. I was interviewing him, whatever, and we played at Glen Eagles and. I was really nervous, but he made me feel just mm. at ease. Yep. He never really talked about my game much. We just chatted and relaxed and there was no comments about what I was doing or what I should do or anything. It was just quite, there's a talent to that. And that's a talent I try to take to the golf course. <laughs> like. So to be clear... When I play with you, I try, I try and do the same. So to be clear, when you're playing golf with somebody who, in your own words, isn't as good as you but they play well, you're not going to say well played. No, not necessarily. Or to but reward their good shots without good shots. You've got to watch that you're not condescending them. That's the thing. How's good shot when it's a good shot? Not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I still say good shot, and I never said you couldn't do that. Stop picking holes and, I in need, my peculiar I, I, ways. I, I need an example. What would be? What do you think would be condescending to a, a, a player who's not as good as you on the golf course? Like if they don't hit the green, you say, yeah, it's not bad, that was a good shot. Right, yeah. Got Things you, like that. Got you. You know, there's a way around it. I think golf is quite a tricky sport when you're playing with somebody that you maybe don't necessarily know. It can be quite strange. Like, for example, they always say, you know, it's a good it's a good place, a good environment for business meetings. And I, and I always think, that is utter pish. <laughs> that is just garbage. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine playing with your boss? You know, would you want to do that? No. It's just nonsense. Yeah, there's a good reason that football transfers aren't agreed on the golf course. Golf course, yeah. It's not great. I don't think, it's, 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 a, it's a nonsense cliche that you should do business on the golf course. You yeah, should not. it's nonsense. The only business you should do on the golf course is the business of trying to shoot a low number. Yeah, that's it. What don't you like people saying in the golf course? Mm, I'm going to say some things that I know I'm guilty of and I don't like myself saying them, but I'm now getting out of the habit of doing it. For example... Do you know what I had on that last hole? That's a very beginner thing to do, but yeah. it's your ball, mate. I can't remember. You know, count up your own shots. And another one, and I will defend myself on this because, as you know, I have horrific eyesight. Like, genuinely awful. I'm like a pensioner with my eyes. But it's the usual. Do you see where my mind went? Yeah, you are guilty for that. Oh, totally. But You never watch where your ball lands. Oh, no, that's not true. Sometimes I don't if I'm in a Is it because mood. you're blind? I sometimes I just can't see where it's gone. Because you're blind? Yeah. So I guess it's linked to an action is when I don't like it. So if someone hits a shot, but then they look away in disgust, 
That's what you do, yeah. I don't anymore. You do I've it got all the time. No, that's unfair. I've got because you're always letting away in disgust. I've got out of the <laughs> habit of it because I know how annoying it is. Uh huh. You just like ah, oh, throw the club down, spit in the ground, and kick up the tea. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see where it went? <laughs> that that, yeah. that st- sort of stuff. And it's basically when people don't re- take responsibility for their own game and quiz you as to yeah. what's, what the state of play is yeah. for them. I don't particularly like yeah. it. But there's other things like people get annoyed when someone says, oh, that's still you. I don't find that annoying. It's just, that's just old man patter. Or if you address the ball and it topples off the peg and someone goes, huh, one. That's... yeah. It's annoying in a different way. It doesn't make my blood boil. I just feel sorry for the sad sack that's done it. Just chatting too much in the golf course just pisses me off. Play, I had a caddy at a golf course I'm not going to mention. This is a good 15, 10, 15 years ago. And I hated every single minute Why? of being in the golf course. Because just talked to me the whole time. I just thought, just, you know, do what, just... I was playing with somebody else and it was work-related. Right. I just thought, just leave me alone I could not get away from him every shot talk to me after it in between shots going from greens to tees just leave me alone that's bad caddying to be fair it's bad caddying I thought just shut it did and you it, say that to him no did you tip him yeah because I'm not that not that kind of guy you I still wouldn't have the moral high ground I gave him a couple of quid <laughs> <laughs> you and your peculiar particular ways on expenses well yeah did you give your receipt Oh no! Ah, oh. those were the days, Michael, where we didn't necessarily need receipts. <laughs> Things have changed. Things have changed. <laughs> Five people were paying for that curry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Five cards. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. I'll have five receipts, please. Again, cannot recommend it highly enough. Monday lunchtime curry. It's the way forward. Yeah. I want to know what you guys think. What are the worst things playing partners can say? Whatever it might be. Give us examples, send them in. You can slide into our DMs, not like that, and give us all the details. We'll read them out on next week's show. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Bryce, for your time as always. And thank you to Callaway for their continued support. As I say, we'll be back next week when no doubt somebody else will have sued somebody else. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.